How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. The weather is finally almost there. You know, I don't know, Michigan. It's like there's barely a spring. It's like it's cold, it's rainy, rainy, I don't mind, but let it be, you know, mid-50s, 60s, low-60s, then rain. Don't be 30s and rain. I'm waking up in the morning, and I look at my weather, freeze, uh, um, uh, what, what do they call it, a freeze warning or something? Like, there's ice on my windows this morning. Like, come on. Like, what's going on over here? But at least this afternoon, you can walk outside, you don't need a coat, it's beautiful weather. It's beautiful. But before we get into all the important stuff for our show, let's remember two majorly important things. First of all, of course, um, if you want to find the show, want to find the old shows, want to send me a message, want to make a donation, right? make sure you go to letstalktorah.net. Let's, no apostrophes, letstalktorah.net. And we have all the shows there. You want to go to any of the platforms. You can sign up on any platform from there. It's really just a great, great location to get things taken care of. And, of course, there's the all-important donate button, right? So um, if you guys could do me a favor, just go to that. Uh, donate. There's different levels to donate, whatever your level of comfort is. Um, and if you'd like a shout-out, you want a memory of happy anniversary, happy birthday, be my greatest pleasure to mention it on the show. Um, but please go to that donate button, hit that button, help out the show, help us grow, and that'll be amazing. So this week, it's a double portion. It's called Achrimos Kedoshim. The first Torah portion is Achrimos, which is, for the most part, the laws revolve around the Yom Kippur and the rules and regulations for the high priest, for the Kohen Gadol. And the second Torah portion is called Kedoshim and packed, packed, packed with tons of commandments, just like like overflowing with different commands that we have to take care of and some very famous, some very appropriate for the time period we're in. And let's see how much we can get through this amazing Torah portion. So there's a famous... Um, Jewish scholar by the name of Reb Shmuel HaNugget. Shmuel HaNugget was famous for his poetry. He, some of the liturgy in our prayers comes from him. And he was the vizier for the Caliph of Granada approximately a thousand years ago. So we're talking way back. And the story is told that he's walking, this Reb Shmuel HaNugget is walking with the Caliph, and a man starts yelling some anti-Semitic stuff. And the caliph tells Rishul HaNugget, remember, he's the vizier, right? So he's a powerful man. Right? He says, I want his tongue cut out. Okay? So Rishul HaNugget has the man arrested and then let go. And he starts 
uh, befriending the man, start sending him presents and communicating with him. And they have some meetings. And slowly but surely, Rabbi becomes his friend, and this man becomes his friend. And uh, they're amicable. They talk nicely to each other. The man obviously regrets um, how he spoke. And Rishwana does not cut out his tongue. But he was a very sharp, brilliant man. Anyway, it's a different time. The caliph is walking with a vizier. And he sees the guy standing there talking to someone. And the caliph said, I thought I told you to cut out his tongue. And the Shwanagid says, I did cut out his tongue. I cut out his evil tongue. And I exchanged it for a soft, um, nice-speaking tongue. And I'm sure the caliph laughed and didn't start up with his vizier and uh, allowed the man to live. So there's a verse in this week's Torah portion. It says, Do not hate your brother. Rebuke. Rebuke your brother. Giving rebuke is a special skill. The Talmud actually says that they don't really have people nowadays who know how to give rebuke. Now, even though we don't know how, but I'm sure that many of us are experts in rebuke. You know how I know? First of all, I'm a teacher, and, uh, and I'm a parent. And what do we do with our kids all day long? Right? Kid does something wrong, we let them have it. We let them know, we talk to them, we yell at them, we discipline them. We give rebuke all day long. Sometimes we give rebuke because we came home from work in a bad mood. Sometimes we don't like how the boss treated us. Sometimes we don't like that we got stuck in traffic. Whatever it is, sometimes we're not in a good mood and sometimes even we're in a regular mood. Um, But we are definitely very good at rebuking our children and it usually doesn't work very well. It doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because we don't know how to talk to our children. We do not know what works and what doesn't work. We just figure if we yell louder and louder and demand and use our force as the parent, um, that they will have to listen to us. They might, even if they listen, right? Is that really what we're looking for? Or are we looking to, to help this child, right? Now, these children are born, obviously. And... And they don't really know. They're not adults, right? They don't know really right from wrong. So first thing we have to remember is they're children. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to test. They, they're, they're, when a child tests boundaries, they're just trying to figure out what the boundaries are. They don't know exactly what's right and wrong. Right? The first thing is I can't take it personally. I, I was just talking to somebody yesterday. Right? That was the biggest... I think one of the biggest difficulties parents have and why they don't know how to discipline their children is because we're so busy living vicariously. I tell the person I love that word. We're so busy living vicariously through our children that all the mistakes we made, 
We want to make sure the child doesn't make the mistake. But making mistakes is part of growing up. Making mistakes is how we learn. We experiment. We make mistakes. We touch a fire. The fire is hot. Okay, I pull my hand away. We make other mistakes. Okay, the parent yelled at me. Okay, I won't make that mistake in front of the parent. Right? That's the key. Right? In other words, I, I want the child to learn what's right and wrong. And I want the child to know when I'm not standing next to him what's right and wrong. The problem is if the only reason the child is listening is because the child is petrified of me or the child is afraid of the punishment that will happen, then I didn't teach him anything. I taught the child to behave when I'm standing there. Again, I'm not fooling myself. A classroom is not much better, right? To a certain extent, the children are going are, are gonna to misbehave. They're going to test. And if you think that when you're not standing there, there's still going to be angels, that's, to a certain extent, ridiculous. But if we can teach them what's considered appropriate behavior, how we want them to act, and that it's in their best interest, then they can actually behave when I'm not watching them because they came to that discovery. And they're not doing it because they're petrified of me. And they're not doing it because I'm paying them. Because if I can't pay them enough, right, you get prizes. Ooh, prizes are great. Until I found a more lucrative way of making money. So I don't need your prizes anymore. So really, really, the only way to teach children and give rebuke is with love. As cliche as that may sound, but it really is true. It has to be real. I'm reading this great book at home. So I, I saw this amazing story. The story is with two troubled girls. Well, at least they were troubled when they were younger. And they're sitting by their father's deathbed and crying and holding his hand and telling the father how much they love him. But, in, but it wasn't really their father. See, it was their adoptive father. And these were two girls that were in and out of foster homes their whole life. From one home to the next, they misbehaved in school. They, they didn't do their work. They, they didn't get along with their siblings. They were just trouble. They were just trouble. Until this man came along. He was different. The girls are telling the story over. I don't, know if, I don't know which point in the relationship he said it, but this adoptive father says to the two girls, he says, you know, I'm alone. You're alone. Let's at least be alone together. As I'm a lonely person. You guys are lonely. You've had a rough life. But let's be lonely together. And he rarely spoke. He wasn't a big talker. He gave like one-word comments. He would look over the shoulder See the girl doing homework. I'm glad you're trying. Walk away. Not doing homework with him. Not being effusive with his praise and overblowing it and making it sound like they're the best thing ever and they're amazing and they're unbelievable because they struggled. One of those girls had special needs. So the girls knew 
that they had a hard time in school. They knew that studying didn't come easy. But all this father did was he watched, he observed, he commented, he didn't overblow it, he made it real. But the girls felt his love. One time, one of the daughters wasn't home, so he went to school, check out. She had been there for whatever happened in class. She had to stay behind in school. She was setting up the desks. Um, and he wrote on the board while she's busy setting up the desks, uh, rearranging the desks, he wrote on the board, champion, and left. One word. He would catch them when they did something good. Again, it's just part of of good discipline. You catch them doing something good, but as I tell parents, even when I catch the child doing something good, it doesn't mean that I can say tomorrow, well, you did it yesterday, good, why can't you do it today? Because <laughs> today is today, tomorrow is tomorrow, and yesterday is yesterday. Yesterday I was able to do it, today I can't. Right? Part of raising children is they will test us. They will not always act the way we want. Can we praise them? Can we look past the fact that they're not who we wish we were? Right? Isn't that the point? Right? Can we can we catch them not doing exactly the way we would do it? Don't try to catch them doing something wrong. We can always catch kids doing something wrong. That's easy. Catch them doing something right. I see you're trying. I see you're working hard. You make me proud. But that's it. And that, oh, now you disappointed me because you didn't do what you did yesterday. We want rebuke with love. That's the famous Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, love your friend like yourself. You have to love your friend the way you want to be loved. Right? In other words, when I'm loving my children, I'm not loving my children to be me, to be what I envision my amazing child will be. Love your friend like you want to be loved. Overlook when I do something wrong. Praise me when I do something well. Um, accept me for who I am. Right? And that gets us to the famous Hillel, the same, the same exact concept. Um, there were these three, they came one at a time, but three different uh, non-Jewish fellows um, want to convert. One at a time. One goes to the famous Shammai, and he asks him something just crazy. Uh, he, he wants to be the high priest. So Shammai says, get out of here. We don't make rules, regulations. You don't know anything. Get out. He comes to the hill. He says, no problem. And we'll study the Torah. We'll figure it out. And another one comes, and a third one comes, and he says to Shammai, teach me the Torah while I'm standing on one leg. You know, I tell you the truth. If you came to me and said, teach me the Torah while I'm standing on one leg, I'd throw you out. You're dictating to me how to make you Jewish. We have a bunch of rules, regulations. Guy goes to Hillel, teach me to hold Torah on one leg. Hillel says, no problem. You ready? Get up on one leg. Guy's standing on one leg. Now, almost always you imagine the guy's making fun of you. Right? The guy's making fun of you. Hillel says to the guy, he says, he says it in the negative, not in the positive. He says, what's, what's hated to you, don't do it to your friend. The rest is just an explanation. And the guy says, you're done? So that's it. 
That's it. And they convert it. Now, <laughs> this message of what's hated to you, don't do to your friend, is like so brilliant. It covers the gamut of all interpersonal relationships. If you just you just go down the line of, uh, we talk about slander, right, as an example, right? You want somebody slandering you? No. Then don't do it to somebody else. Okay, I have to give you a lot of examples. You want somebody to steal from you? No. Don't steal from him. You want somebody killing you? No. Don't kill him. You want somebody sleeping with your wife? No. Don't sleep with his wife, right? But what about God? So this is where it's like just brilliant, right? When it comes to God, right? So you want, right? What's hated to you, don't do to your friend, right? So my friend is God. Well, how am I supposed to know what God wants me to do? Oh, you want God to be your friend? You got to find out what's important to God. Sabbath, Passover, holidays. Got to find out what's important to God. So the rest is an explanation. Now, clearly... Hillel must have seen something um, in these three people to have these three different conversations. I skipped one of them. One of them was the guy says, um, I only want the written Torah, not the oral Torah. So Hillel says to the guy, no problem. So the guy comes in, okay, I'm ready, teach me today. So he teaches him, this letter is called an Aleph. This letter is called a base. And this letter is called a Gimel. And this letter is called a Dalit. And the guy comes back, okay, comes back the next day, and Hillel changes the order. He says, this first letter is a Dalit. Second letter is a Gimel. Third letter is base. Fourth letter out. And he says, hello. That's not what you told me yesterday. So he says, so what do you want for my life? I want to teach you the Torah. He says, you can't learn the Torah without listening to the rabbis because you need me to even teach you what the letters are. You trust me for the letters. You got to trust me for everything. Okay, the guy was accepting. So the bottom line is, these three guys then meet and they say, Shammai tried to push us away from the Torah. Hillel brought us close to the Torah. So, yes. Really, really, Shammai is right in these three cases. These three guys are nudniks. Right? When a nudnik comes into my, uh, if a nudnik would come into my office and say, convert me and try to dictate the rules and regulations, I'm going to throw him out of your office. Right? It's not the way we do things. Right? Except that Hillel saw something in these three people. He, he realized that there was something there worth dealing with. So Hillel came up with some brilliant plans. But at the end of the day, Hillel is the one that defines Rabbi Akiva's you have to love your friend like yourself. Or in other words, what, or as Hillel rephrased it, was hated to you, don't do to others. This is, this is what's going on. Oh, and here comes the music. Okay, the music's playing. I hope you loved it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, all wonderful ones listening. I can't do without you. Thank you to all the production team. I have Alan in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build